0: Restore the Roar is a podcast hosted by Michael Ball and features Lions broadcaster and former quarterback Julio Caravana. Each week, this duo will tackle issues involving the BC Lions and the CFL. In each installment, they'll also highlight a player, coach, or builder at the amateur level in the province and take a trip down memory lane in the Lions Legends segment. Now, here's Ballsy. (laughs) And welcome once again to another installment of Restore the Roar. I'm Ballsy, and we kick Restore the Roar off as we do each and every time with the color commentator of the BC Lions Radio Network, Julio Caravada. How are you today, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Ballsy, how are you? Good, it's awesome to talk to you. You and I talk uh, in podcast form on a weekly basis, but here we're doing it on the Rider Radio Network, and it's appropriate because it's a big second place showdown. Now I think we'd both be in agreement, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at this point are the class of the league. We got a lot to play yet, but these two teams, these two teams are at the top of the next tier, I think.
1: Yeah, you mean I I would, you know, up up to this point, you know, I, I you know, we, for for us out here like we I I've seen obviously a lot of Winnipeg on television uh but um you know i'm anxious to see what you know what the, the lions would do against them I, and and you know I, I agree with you i think as it is right now they're the most complete team um but like you said too also this is a, there's a long way to go and a lot of things can happen between now and the end of the year so um i'm i'm super excited about this game i think it this is going to this is going to prove a lot to i think a lot of uh, of people around the league as far as you know, who some of the next best teams are. Um, and I won't lie, uh, the Lions, I know, have a, a pretty bitter taste in their mouth after what happened in week one, especially the way they started. So uh, there I think there's a real excitement here to play them again, especially at home.
0: Three wins in a row for this football team, the BC Lions. Now two are against Ottawa, and that's as close to a free space in the bingo card as you'll get in professional football. But... This last game, a cross-country trip into Montreal against a team that was riding pretty high. I thought that was a very, very solid road victory by the BC Lions.
1: Yeah, no, no question. Um, I think it was a very solid road win. Uh, and, and as you said, I think there was a lot of people that were questioning you know, the, their previous victories over Ottawa. But to go on the road in Montreal and, and face a team that's, I, I think, think, very good. Um, they did a very good job, right? A good, tough place to play um travel across the country all those things and um you know again they, they played well all the way around special teams offense defense uh to hold Vernon Adams uh out of the end zone and uh, hold them just to field goals they, they bend but they didn't break and offensively uh we saw what they're capable of right lucky white hat has made an amazing difference with this offense like his ability to stretch the field um vertically and you know, when you throw in the likes of Javon Katoy, who's really, really stepped up um, in the absence of Lamar Durant, and you got Brian Burnham, and then Keon Hatcher is another guy that stepped in uh, because of the injury to Dominic Grimes, who's really, really done well. So this is one of the things that this team has not been able to do over the years, Ballsy, is that they, they, they just didn't have the depth. Um, they didn't have a lot of young players, and when, when they had some injuries, they it was the end of them. You know they lost both their tackles at one point, and it didn't it didn't really you know have a, that huge an effect on them. Um, and so the amount of young people that they're using on defense, uh, uh, guys like Keontae Harden and Jalen Edwards Cooper on the, in the secondary, they just have been able to really kind of put some young guys in there and and not miss beat.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you touched on Lucky Whitehead. He seems like a hungrier, younger version of Speedy B back in the day. Like, I I, I I, almost I almost would say right now at this point from what I've seen from both players, I know the one guy has the resume, I'd take Lucky Whitehead on my team.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I, I talked to him last week after practice, and I got the sense, too, that, you know, because I was talking to him about, you know, when he first signed here about the idea that he was a gadget guy, and he really, it, it bothered him mm-hmm. that people thought that. I mean, he, like, and that's one of the things that we heard coming out of training camp was, how good a route runner he what he is like he, he's he's a legit receiver, and I think he spent a lot of time in the off season working on his um his ability to run and he's just not a gadget guy he's a guy that I think can run routes and I think he he, he he's bothered by that that people think that he is just a you know the screens and the, and the jet sweeps and all that other kind of stuff so uh, he is a a a, a multi threat Receiver who can hurt you in a lot of different ways. We've seen him do it on special teams. We've seen him do it on uh, on offense. And and offensively, they're using him in every situation. So he's thrilled to be able to showcase himself the way he is.
0: This offensive line has had some issues with the injuries, but like you said, they've been able to overcome it. How much do you put on the coach for that, Kelly Bates?
1: Well, yeah, Kelly proved last year that or a couple of years ago that uh, you know he, he he can be a difference maker, and uh, you know he's a former player. He relates very well to the players. They love playing for him. And um, they've done a nice job of, of having some people here that can, that can play. Right? As I said, not enough credit is being given to Neil McAvoy, Ryan Rick Madden, who's their head U.S. scout, uh, for bringing in these guys. Right? There's a lot. This team hasn't looked like this in years. And I've been doing this a long time. I have never seen this amount of young players that are playing and having an impact. Uh, the Lions were always notorious for bringing in players uh, via free agency to try to plug holes. And they went out and they got younger and uh, all these young players that they've got here are all contributing, which is something you got to be excited about.
0: Jordan Williams as advertised, you know, in a, yeah. in a, in a list recently that featured big Hill and BC and of course, uh, uh, Solly, uh, he fits right. Uh, fits that mold to a T. Oh God. Yeah.
1: And, and, and again, We're talking about a rookie, right? We're talking about a guy that uh, is still learning the game, and so. But physically, my gosh, I mean, he covers sideline to sideline like like the the Solomon Elamimians and the Adam Big Hills. And when you have a young a young uh, linebacker who really quarterbacks that defense, uh, given what his experience is, you can only think how how good he's going to be down the
0: road. Mike Riley looks like Michael Riley looks like the Mike Riley from past years. He, you know, I, I was a little, I, I felt maybe father time was catching up with him, only because he had the you know what beat out of him with a inferior offensive line. But the yeah. last cu- last couple of games, it feels like the old Mike Michael Riley's back. The old Mike Riley, the current Michael Riley's back.
1: Yeah, um, you, you know what, Balz, what I'll say about this, man, you know, I, uh, you know, having uh, played the position, I, I, I think. I'm just in awe a lot of times about just how good he is. You know, I, I've been really lucky here to have uh, – I played with a couple of guys that were, you know, one one being Doug Flutie, Danny McManus, and Kent Austin, Damon Allen. Uh, but Dave, and having covered him as a broadcaster, Dave Dickinson and Travis Ludley, and, and, and Michael Riley is just he, – he's right in there. When you, When you talk about a guy who steps out on the field and you could just tell that he's in control of every aspect – and so for, for me, it's just a lot of fun to watch a guy execute the offense. Like, he, he had only four incompletions. Again, he's completing, I think, like 75% of his passes. So he's performing at a very, very high level. And, and as you said, let's not forget that he hasn't been completely healthy, right? So he's a guy who's still, I think, finding his groove. But uh, as, as, as he continues to get more and more healthy, and, and the, that offensive line is able to protect him, he's one of those guys that when he comes steps into onto the field on, a, on defense, you're thinking, hey, you're scared a little bit because you, you wonder how how do you stop him, especially if he's seeing the defense the way he can. Um, he just seems to know where to go with the ball. He's very, very accurate. And and we saw with that throw to Lucky, but he still has the ability to throw the ball deep downfield.
0: Yeah, for sure. Joining us on the phone for a couple more minutes is the color commentator in the Lions Radio Network, Julio Caravada. Great quarterbacking makes a league exciting and makes it interesting. You only have to go south of the border and you look at the Rodgers, the Wilsons, the Bradys, even at, you know, 100 years old. Then you got the Mahomes (laughs) and the Justin Herberts and those kind of guys, Lamar Jackson. They make it fun to watch. I think that's part of the CFL's problem. I'll get you to weigh in here. We've got we got the gray beard, Michael Riley, who could still get it done. Bo had a bad game last game, and he just hasn't seemed to be himself this year or dating back to the last time we played in 2019. Outside of those two guys, we got a bunch of unproven guys that I think are good but not great, and I think that's why we're not having as exciting years we normally see in the CFL. How do you feel when I say that?
1: Well, I, I, well, I agree with you, but this is the this is the problem is that it's the hardest position when you have the amount of things and and and, and like attention to detail and, and 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 having to be prepared for every game the way that the quarterback has to. You I mean it's it's something that is not easy and it's something that takes time. And for the CFL, a lot of times they're, they're not willing to wait, mm-hmm. right? They want success now. It's it's. You I mean I always say to myself, like a lot of these guys when they first get up in the league, like, it, it probably takes them a couple three years. To really feel comfortable, but do you get the couple of years? That's the problem, right? There's there's few guys that come up here and went right out of the gate, the bull Levi Mitchell's and I don't even Mike uh, Michael Riley was was with the Lions as a backup um, for a, for for a number of years before he really got his chance. But you, you know what I'm trying to say? Like mm-hmm. it, it, we want results right away, and when we don't get them, they're like, oh God, you know what I mean? Like it's it's a hard position to master, and there's a lot of things that go into the position that. Um, you know, when you get in there as a young quarterback, so many things are going on and so many is happening at, so, at such a speed that it's difficult to, to, to learn and, and adapt. And those guys that don't adapt to the speed, uh, they, they struggle early. But it's something that if you're given the chance to overcome because your skill set is good. You know you're good. You move in the pocket. You have a good arm. You 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 read defense as well. But the speed of the game is something that you have to get used to, and the anticipation. That's one of the biggest things that I find is for all quarterbacks, like especially young quarterbacks, and right through to the pros, is you have to be able to anticipate a throw. You cannot wait until a guy is open to throw it. And and in order to do that, you got to have confidence in what you're seeing in front of you and trusting your eyes. And that comes with experience, and so a lot of these young guys are getting these opportunities. You really think about it. You, know, you throw in a David Watford, for example. I mean, he plays two games, and if he does well, okay. But what happens if he struggles those two games? Automatically, people are going, he can't play, he's yeah. done. You know, what I mean, we got to find somebody else. Well, how fair is that to yeah. a guy who's? You know, what I mean, he's only get two. You only get two games, or you put him in for a half a game, and you say, oh, well, you can't play. Well, come on, like, and the, and the and the NFL too. Like, think about that, right? The the, the, the position is so valuable that if you're, if you like look at Jared Goff, for example, you I mean he had one decent year and they gave him $30 million a year because they thought he could do, he, he was going to be the next guy. And, and he doesn't perform like a $30 million a year quarterback, but because he can go out there and execute an offense and yeah, he can make plays every once in a while. You, that's what you're worth, Yeah. because that's how valuable they are. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah,
0: absolutely, for sure. Hey, uh, we're up against the clock, but i got to get a comment here. The Riders feature some great Canadian receivers. The local kid, Mitchell Picton, Lenius, who was mm-hmm. born here. And how about the rising star, Kian Schaefer-Baker, playing a traditional American pr- uh, position on the boundary side there. And then, uh, of course, you talked about Katoy with the Lions. It's great to see the Canadian receiver emerge again, because I was worried Brad Sinopoli would be a dying breed it's amazing what happens when you give a kid a chance eh yeah and you believe in them and me you know, because they, these
1: guys are every one of them that you've mentioned right you go right across the board they're, they're just getting a chance right they have the physical tools um, they're just now getting the chances to go out there and and prove that they can play and that's what that's what's you know encouraging and it really you look at the, the Nathan Rourke's and the Michael O'Connor's to a quarterback like it just seems right across the board The grassroots football in this country is getting better and better and better. And the training for these guys is getting better at the university level, whether or not they go to the NCAA or they stay here in the CIF, wherever they go to school, the football is getting better and better. And they're just better prepared when they come into the game physically and mentally. And you're seeing the results that a lot of these guys are able to step in and do a job.
0: Mm-hmm. Should be fun this game on Friday. In fact, it looks like it's a sellout at BC Place, too. It's always good when Saskatchewan comes to town, isn't yes. it?
1: Oh, yeah. It's 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 all of that, right? It's All the all the melonheads all come out uh, of the woodwork out here, and they got their they got their Saskatchewan Rough Riders jerseys that have been hanging in the closet waiting for this game at home. So we always get a great, great turnout here of the Saskatchewan fans. It makes for a great atmosphere. So it's going to be a great night.
0: It should be a real slobber knocker. I always enjoy your work. Uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Thanks, buddy. No problem. (laughs) This is Lions Legends, a trip down memory lane with a player, coach, or builder that left their mark on BC Lions history. And we're headed into the second half of Restore the Roar here on Growing the Game with Ballsy. If you like what you hear, please share with your football friends and family and contacts in this great sport so that we can preserve and continue to grow the sport we love across Canada, but specifically here for this installment in the B.C. area. Uh, Go to the Growing the Game with Ballsy Facebook page, Growing the Game with Ballsy on Twitter, and Growing the Game with Ballsy on Instagram. Thanks for checking us out. And... In our second half of Restore the Roar, we now have time for our Lions Legends segment, a chance for us to catch up with somebody that helped build the BC Lions legacy. And for that, we're going to turn our attention to former Canadian receiver Ryan Thelwell. And Ryan, when I say I think you're one of the most underrated Canadian receivers to come along in a long time, how do you react to that?
2: Well, it, it feels good, right? Yeah. Uh you know for for myself you know I, it wasn't a, it wasn't so much about about uh about numbers and and you know i've always been lucky to be a part of great teams of great receivers and, and and unfortunately and i shouldn't say unfortunately but like they were always guys that had numbers i was with you know g roy simons the jason claremont the nick lewis's kenyon rambo so you know sometimes you get overlooked so to hear that it's it, it's uh good to hear
0: Guy went to Minnesota, coming out of Canada. Went to the University of Minnesota with the Golden Gophers. Drafted by the 49ers, Never stuck there, but got into some action with the Chargers. What do you remember about your NFL touchdown?
2: Oh, <laughs> you know what? It's 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 funny. It's uh, the, the thing that I remember the most was I actually got a game ball for from Chris Berman, and it and it wasn't my best game. Like I did catch, I caught the touchdown. I think there was probably the, probably about. Fourteen seconds left to tie the game, but um, they did come down. Like it was Arizona, they went back down. They scored, so that kind of took a little bit of the shine off of it. But like it was, the fact that I got a game ball from Chris Berman was an absolutely amazing experience.
0: Did you get a nickname though?
2: No, no nicknames. Um, I wish I would have stuck around a bit longer, <laughs> and maybe one one might have been given to me, but um no i don't think i was there long enough to get a nickname
0: of course so you played for my favorite team the san diego chargers they'll always be the san diego chargers to me so uh ryan did you have a nickname in football uh growing up no do you know what with the bc lions the guys i got
2: i got they call me t Weezy or t well you know short for sell but but other than that like nothing crazy um I think for the most part, I've got the most boring name ever, so that didn't help either.
0: Uh, so what? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. What? What's your most vivid football memory? What? What's the one memory you think of when you think of your time playing football? Maybe it goes back to high school. I don't know. Do you know what? Funny enough,
2: like I was having a conversation a couple of days ago with a, with a friend of mine, and I got asked a question, and there wasn't so many moments as more along the lines of the people that I've met along the way like that's what I remember about playing football NFL you know, CFL in high school it's just the people like the the people I I call family like Jeroy Simon and Nick Lewis like those those are a family outside of football and you know I I kind of laughed cause I had a, an opportunity to sit down with and, and have a private conversation with a junior say out uh, like a Terrell Owens, like i these are guys that, you know, I see now and they're, they're well, you know, juniors past, but, you know, Terrell Owens, just a Hall of Famer. And, and I can you know, tell my kids, like, hey, like, I played with him. I spent time with him outside of football. And, and that's kind of the thing that, that, I, that I remember the most is just, it's the
0: people that I've met along the way. What was junior like?
2: Absolutely amazing. I I remember sitting down at Sales Restaurant. You're a San Diego guy. I don't know if you you were down there when Sales Restaurant was around. So I remember just just being at Sales Restaurant, and and Junior happened to be there, and he called me over. And we were just sitting and just chatting about Because up until then, like, I initially was on the practice roster, and I wasn't on the active roster. And so, you know, you're kind of – you can be an afterthought sometimes sometimes, but Junior called me over and he commented me about the work ethic that he saw in me and and um, to, just reminded me to keep it up, and it wasn't going unnoticed by the defense because I was running scout team for our starting defense, mm-hmm. and that one day I would get an opportunity. And, you know, sure enough, when, when Kevin Gilbright got fired and, and June Jones, who was the quarterback's coach at the time, got um, promoted to intern coach, um, that's what happened, right? And I, So I've always remembered the. The kind words of inspiration from Junior and, and he was an amazing man, amazing teammate.
0: Well you were uh, a great football player with the British Columbia Lions uh, just uh, some of your favorite thoughts from there, I mean you had a great 2004 2005 season, yep. maybe 2006, not the production that we were accustomed to yep. in 04 and 05 but you were a big contributor on a playoff run that would end in a great cup championship.
2: My experience with BC was, was probably some of the best best times of my life and again the football, you know, when you're winning, that that helps. But it's the journey and the people you you know you're in you're, you're you're that that are actually in that journey with you. And you know the the group of receivers that I had the chance to play with, Jiro Jiro Simons, you know Regina's own Jason Claremont, are just absolutely amazing. Not just amazing players, but but good people. And you know, I remember the one thing I remember was winning the. The Grey Cup, it was in Winnipeg, Mm -hmm. and I just remember how cold it was, (laughs) and the guys going in and going right into into the shower, and, and... Believe it or not, there wasn't too much celebrating going on because I think we were all too cold. That's <laughs> what I remember. But but trust me, Mike, we made up for it when we got back to BC. So it was just an amazing
0: experience. So you go to the Calgary Stampeders and you win a great Cup in that famous Huffnagel game where he has the yep. you know the crowds against us. Uh, it's a, the you know we got him right where we want him. Just uh, <laughs> just tell me about that game. Can you pick? Because I know you won one later in your career when you came yeah. back in October of 2011 and were on the roster. Uh, for the Lions when they won that home grade cup. But between the two that you actually participated in, um, yep. which one means more to you? Or can you pick? It's like picking favorite kids.
2: It's like picking favorite kids. Um, if I had to choose one, again, they are both special because I was able to do it with, with, with a great group of guys. But I would have to say like 06 in D.C. just because it was the first mm-hmm. that I'd won. Like uh, in 2004, we ended up losing to Toronto in the Great Cup there in Ottawa, and it was just a horrendous experience. Um, and going back in 2006 and getting it done and getting it done with a group of guys that I literally came in together with. We we kind of built it from the ground up was was an absolutely amazing experience. So
0: if I had to choose one, I, w- I would have to go with 2000. So when you win, it's great, but does does the loss, does the sting of the loss... Stay longer with you than the thrill of victory. Like what I mean is, do you go back to that 0-4 and say, "Man, I could have had another Great Cup ring, yep. but
2: oh, like you're spot on. Like I can remember more from that game that we lost than I can from the two that we that we won. Like you're know, just, I, I guess there's just so many things that stick with you. Uh, I, I don't know, I don't know why. Maybe it's just like it's human nature to remember the things that that you know sometimes a negative in your life, but. That one there, the sting of losing it. Um, and I think that we were favored going in. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, Damon Allen played, you know, Damon Allen was Damon Allen and just picked us apart. and You know, it was just the, the overall experience, like even the Grey Cup week between 2004 with Wally, sorry, yeah, 2004 with Wally and 2006 was drastically different with the approach that Wally took. And so, yeah, it was just, yeah, I remember that 2004. It wasn't the best
0: experience. (laughs) Uh, Ryan Thelwell joining us here. Okay, a couple more quick questions for you. How do you feel about... The Canadian game and the Canadians' place in the Canadian game. I like the fact, like if I look at the Rough Rider team, we've got a collection now of pretty good Canadian receivers, including Kian Schaefer Baker, who looks like he could be a uh, a real emerging star. And I like the fact we're yep. starting to see more Canadian receivers back in the game. It felt like we were getting away from it there, but I'm happy to see that. Just your thoughts on Canadians in the CFL?
2: Well, it's the Canadian game, right? And i I'm, I'm always of the belief that. And I'm gonna have some American guys that are, like you know, that listen to the show that might kind of roll their eyes at me. But it's the Canadians that that put the teams over the top and and help teams win, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, you know, the American guys, you know, they're a dime a dozen. Um, like there's there's such a big pool to choose from, and if you're able to to get a good group of Canadians, that's what. Again I, I, in my personal opinion what uh, would make you uh, a contender for the great Cup? and if you look at if you go back and look at some of these these recently these recent great Cups, look at the guys that have gone through the Andrew Harris's. right mm-hmm. just it's been absolutely the, the talent has been, has been absolutely amazing and again I similar to you I love watching the game I love watching the Canadians and there there are an amazing crops that are, are uh, making the game better.
0: You uh, raised a good point because like, like I've always said, we need to protect jobs for our kids to give them yep. a dream because you're right, we can't compete against the U.S. juggernaut. It's same thing in music. We have to play 35% Canadian content. If we didn't, we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't discover these Canadian artists because we wouldn't give them airtime and then yep. lead them to their exposure like the Shania Twain's, the Celine Dion's, the, the yep. Bieber's, the list goes on and on and on. And I think the same thing about football too.
2: And you're right, Mike. You're 100 percent right, and I, I kind of feel like there are so many talented guys, and you know, unfortunately, I, I we shouldn't even have to have that. And I bet you there are, there are Canadian guys that are playing on rosters that, you know, if it wasn't put up written on paper, you know, people wouldn't know that they're Canadian. They're mm-hmm. that good that like you couldn't tell the difference between the two, right? But mm-hmm. you know, it's it is it is the Canadian game, you know it. I, I kind of feel like that that aspect that enhances the game i know i love watching it and i'm a proud canadian and i'm proud of our league and, and i guess that's ultimately what it's about right it's 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 just our fan the gray Cup, the the, the players like to me that's what it's all about and so i i, I love it and and to me there is there's no difference between the Canadian and the Americans. Mm-hmm. I watch some of these games and I mean, these kids nowadays are just as talented as the American guys
0: that are coming up. So last question for you. It looks like you've transitioned pretty nicely away from football. Some guys struggle. Looks like I I'm watching you on yeah. LinkedIn and other spots. You've landed on your feet. Just tell the folks where you're at now.
2: So I'm currently working with a company called Rocky Cross Construction North DKI. So we do we're, we're, emergency restoration um, um services so, so all the flood that the flooding the hail the fires that we've seen that, that it's been it's been actually growing and getting bigger and we are seeing more and more of it uh a company like ours were called in to mitigate and and help with rebuild so you know it's a i'd like to see emerging industry it's been around for a long time but we're seeing more and more of a need for what we do. so um, with my role as Director of business Development, it's just just about getting getting our, our company's name out there and, and and doing our doing my best to to enhance our, our I guess our services and just to let people know what we do.
0: Ryan, thanks for this. This has been fun. Uh, hopefully we talk again down the road.
2: Mike, no, thank you, my friend. I, it's always a pleasure. And This has been Restore the Roar Podcast.
0: If you have a story idea you'd like the guys to pursue, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. <laughs>